CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Friday, everybody. We're live from the NASDAQ market site. I'm Melissa Lee, and it is time for Options Action. Here's what we've got on deck. Straight ahead, Carter Worth takes a look at the bumps in the road. Then, seems the same could be said of Caterpillar stock. Dan Nathan has a way to stay afloat even when the alarms go off. Plus, if you want to keep surfing this quick pop in the market, Mike Coe lays out a plan to ride without drowning when the wave actually breaks. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts now. Let's get right to it. It's been a rocky road for the transports as the group closes out. One of its worst weeks of the year, falling 3%, sitting in correction territory. And take a look at some of this week's worst performers, Delta, Ryder, Norfolk Southern, and American Airlines leading the pack lower. Our chart master says this could be the beginning of a bigger breakdown ahead. Carter's over the plasma with more. Carter, take it away. I mean, just that. I mean, imagine uh, a recovery in the market and yet transports down 3%. It says a lot about a lot of things. Let's look at a few charts. A one-decade chart doesn't tell you much. Most everything's up over the past decade. But relative performance of the transports to the S&P, we are basically, we've undone the entire thing. We're back to where we were in 2009. Uh, that is the issue. That is the problem. And it's just this persistent and chronic slide, even as the index itself has advanced. All right, take a look at uh, one or two things. Another way to look at it, more immediate rather than a ratio chart, is a comparative chart. So over the past five years, you see the two colors, the two lines, S&P here, and then, of course, transport. So even as the S&P has managed to make incremental new highs, not impressive as discussed by Dan and others, what we know is that the transports from this peak have continued to do that. And we've got this divergence that is the issue. Okay, take a look. Now, here is the index. You can draw the line so many ways, but basically, at a minimum, it shows what a waste of time it's been. And yet, adjusted for risk and beta, it's been worse than a waste of time, right? Now, is this random? Of course it's not random. Stops to the penny. Stops to the penny. Stops to the penny. Lines matter. Levels matter. Nothing good about this. Here's the IYT, which is the ETF, just vacillating around. Ultimately, I think what's going to happen is that we are going to breach the lows. And a break here would yet further sink this thing into bad to worse to bad and worse and on and on. All right. So, Mike, given the charts, what's your trade? Yeah, I'm going to actually refer back. I have a question about those charts, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. You know, looking at IYT, obviously, some of what is happening in the price action we already know. So some of the big constituents obviously haven't been doing well. We've talked about Federal Express on this show before, and we obviously saw what came out of earnings. That looked like a sort of classic value trap type of trade, and that's a big constituent. Other big constituents, of course, of the IYT include the airlines, one of which is going to be reporting next week, Delta. Of course, they also gave some guidance this week, so we already know that maybe it wasn't going to be all that fantastic, although I also might argue it's not going to be that bad. What's interesting to me is that despite all of the volatility that we've seen in the market and despite considerable volatility in IYT, 
Options prices really aren't that elevated. To give it a little bit of context, right now the December implied volatility of IYT is about 20%. We're seeing an average move over the last 60 calendar days, about 43 trading days, a move about 1.2%. That would actually correspond to an implied volatility about 23.5%. So it looks fairly cheap to me. The other thing I would point out is that, like many situations, ETFs and indices, there probably is some floor here. So I think the way to play this, looking out to December, I was looking at the 175, 165 put spread. You would spend five dollars and twenty cents for the 175 puts, sell the 165s against it for 280. That's a net debit of two dollars and forty cents. As we often point out, that's less than a quarter of the distance between the strikes. And really, the issue here is it going to break through that lower level. And this brings me to my question also, which is that also looks like a little bit of a channel here to me. So one of the reasons I was looking at this rather than, for example, selling an upside credit call spread is because there does seem to be some potential risk to me that it could actually catch a bounce off of that. And that obviously is a question for Carter. Uh, and, And a very real concern for someone making the case that something's wrong, the one I just made. So. Uh, this is why options, of course, are, are the way to play it. The thing that bothers me, not to mention the names that we said, is that, remember, the two biggest names by weight are railroads. Three of the top five are railroads. The railroads have outperformed the market and outperformed industrials and transports for years and years, and they are all starting to roll. Mm. Dan, what do you think of the trade? As far as the trade, I mean, I, I, what did I, didn't I have some choice words for this, this the transport? The transport's earlier? like the worst chart in the world? Yeah, I think, the worst? Chart. Okay. I think it was one of the worst looking charts in the market. I think I said that on the show a couple nights ago. And, and I do think it's, Mike brings up a great point, though. It's really hard to press things at some of those really big support levels, which is why I really do like his put spread. It's $10 wide. He's paying about a quarter of the width of the spread. He's got near the money participation. And if you start seeing some of those names in there, you're seeing the rails. You're seeing the, the airlines roll over. I think that Delta chart break that uptrend from the December low, I think that was a decisive break. I think there's a lot of bad charts in that index, and I think you're going to see lower lows. Does it bounce off of that support near term? Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, does it look like it's going to break it sometime soon? Yeah. Um, for those who like to follow Dow Theory, does that hold true anymore? Sure. Sure. Of course. Okay. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I had to ask. Yeah, right? of course. I'm not, and I, I'm not uh, answering it quickly to imply that it not, meaning... It seems like too simple to be true, but the concept is very real, right? If it's, if it's moving around on a truck or a rail or a boat or a plane, it speaks to the level of business activity and output in the country. And uh, while that's maybe a little passe, there's something about a major index, the one that has more prices than anyone else, not confirming the other. And that's what we've got. Yep. All right. Mike, last word? <clears throat> No, I mean, I'm kind of with that. And, you know, look, we take a look at what the results we were seeing out of FedEx and and others. They speak to, you know, whether we're thinking about the new economy or the old, the new economy is embedded in the transports, even if some of the other areas of the industrials are not. All right. Well, from the transports to the industrials, take a look at Caterpillar seeing a bit of a boost today, but it was still the second worst performer in the Dow this week. The industrial giant has been feeling the pressure as economic slowdown fears weigh on investors. And Dan is betting today's move higher is nothing but a dead cat bounce. Yeah, so kind of little cat scratch fever I got over here. <laughs> no, I mean, here's the thing. Like, listen, you know, this rally today was instigated by the, the prospects of some sort of China trade deal. I mean, this is one of the worst acting stocks in the entire U.S. stock market. It's one of the worst looking charts. Um, also, you know, this stock is down 5% on the year. It's down 30% from its 2018 highs. It's just ha- been in a series of just lower highs here. Um, and if it can't rally on a day like today, I just don't know when it's going to rally. So I just want to focus on two 
two charts here. We have one since the start of January 2018. From that high, you just see that. It's just like, it just gets rejected there all the time. And it's obviously got a little support at 112. It's a double bottom dating back to late last year. But let's go to the six-year chart just to kind of show what's going on right here and why the 112 level is such an important support level. That was the high back in 2014. The net stock saw a full, almost 50% peak to trough decline. When we had a similar kind of growth fear, I look at this name and I say there's expectations for, I don't know, 2% earnings growth next year, 1% sales decline. Now, if we got a trade deal and the global economy reaccelerated, would that change? Of course that would change. This is a cheap stock trading about 10 times earnings. But I just don't see it. I think when they report on October 23rd. The options market is implying about a 6.5% move between now and then. I think you're going to see some weak guidance, especially if we don't have a trade deal, and I don't think we're going to have a substantive one. So here's how I would trade this. I would use a put calendar. I'd try to isolate that earnings event. I'd sell some short-dated premium, okay, downside put premium, to help finance some longer-dated put premium that's going to capture that earnings trade. So today, when the stock was trading at 120.5, you could buy the October 18th, that's two Fridays from now, October 25th, three Fridays from now, 115 put calendar. You're selling one of the October 18th, 115 puts at $1.15, and you're buying one of the October 25th, 115 puts for $2.35 that cost you $1.20. That is your max risk. What you want this stock to do is basically move towards 150 between 115 between now and then. That short dated one, the October 18th, expires worthless. Then you end up owning that October 25th. 115 put for that earnings event. 1% of the stock price. This is an options trade trying to isolate that earnings event here. And I like the risk reward. I don't know about my entry point. I have no idea where the stock's going to be in a week or two weeks or three weeks. But I like this trade looking into that earnings event and looking to the prospect that we are not going to have a substantive trade deal anytime soon. Mike, your thoughts on the structure of this trade? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I really like the structure. I think there's something we ought to take a look at, and that is that this is a short calendar. We talk about calendar trades all the time. He's only looking at a one-week calendar. Maybe the way to think about this is how much does Caterpillar move typically before they announce earnings, and how much does the stock move typically after they announce earnings? In the week leading into earnings, the average move for Caterpillar over the last 10 years going into earnings is about 3.5% that week. The average move coming out? about 5.5%. So using that shorter dated put to help finance the purchase of the one that actually captures earnings makes a great deal of sense. And just quickly addressing the fact that he was talking about it being a cheap stock, that's typically the case for cyclical stocks. Cyclical stocks will always look cheapest when they're trading at their highs, and they're always going to look most expensive when they're trading at their lows. Why is that? Because cyclical stocks obviously are going to be coming off some of their best earnings before the cycle declines, and they're going to be coming off some of their worst as you reverse off that bottom and come up. So it's very easy to get cornered into what we call value traps. When you look at a stock, maybe the way I did in Federal Express aforementioned, when you see something like a 10 PE and you think, oh, this must be cheap. That's not necessarily the case. The market might be telling you something else, and I'm kind of inclined to agree with Dan here that that's exactly what's going on. Right. So I think we've got all of it. You just heard fundamentally why cheap is a, is a very dangerous word. I mean, it's trading at 10 and a half times. This stock is traded at six times and four times earnings. So there is no sort of safety net in that notion. Technically, it's busted. It's been trading straight down on an absolute and relative basis, and it's highly cyclical, tied to a lot of the problems that are in the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the thesis for being long? I don't know. When you're hoping, maybe it's hopeless, as they say. <laughs> 
I love Carter's rhetorical. I love it. Finishes. Um, for everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can check out our super cool newsletter. What are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Stocks staging a big comeback to end the week with the Dow surging triple digits. And if you're betting this rally has legs, Mike Coe is laying out a way to play it for less. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Stock staging a rebound today on top of a solid September jobs report. And if you're betting the rally is legs, Mike Co is laying out how to play it with his call to action. Mike. Yeah, so for the call to action, we're just simply going to use calls uh, in this particular case. Why would we do that uh, given what we saw this week? The first reason is the reason that we would ever look to just trade long options, and that is to define our risk, define it to the premium that we're spending. The second thing is that despite the volatility that we saw this week, options premiums to me remain relatively low. And the final reason would be this could be a head fake. So while it might be tempting to believe that the bounce that we saw off of yesterday's lows in the morning, which by, the t- by which point I actually had covered some of my hedges at that point because it did feel like we were going to catch a bounce, I'm not sure how long that's going to last. You can actually spend less than 1% of the current price of SPY to buy a call option. Specifically, I was looking at the 295 calls. $2.70 is what you would spend to buy those. Now, the upside break even on that trade is about 1.4% higher than where SPY closed today. So th- consider this. They're going to expire in two weeks. Some things could happen between now and then. The market could rise. It could fall. It doesn't need to rise very much for you to see profits. It also doesn't need to fall very much for you to be glad that you decided to buy calls rather than to buy additional stocks here, which I think would be an exceptionally risky thing to do. I think the options market right now is giving us an opportunity, whether you want to play on the long side or the short side, to do so by buying options and using simple structures to do it and being quick on your feet. Questions or comments for Mike? No, I'll just let you talk about, I'll I'll talk about the trade. I I actually think it's a really simple way to do this. I think with an ETF that covers an index as broad as the S&P 500, when you see implied volatility, the price of options tick up like you did this week, it's not that meaningful, especially when you think about the fact that if Mike's buying him here after it's come in a bit, meaning in vol terms, but the, the index has rallied, you know, he doesn't really need a whole heck of a lot just to break even and have the opportunity to kind of spread those long calls. So to me, I think this is a great way to do it, especially because they are dollar cheap and in vol terms, I think they're relatively cheap considering what the downside vol could be if you get things wrong. Okay, so, so we talked a ton about the market, right? So let's, let's put <laughs> sure. opinions aside. I'll just read you some statistics for those who want to just go with history. Q4, to get this right, mean and median performance, 1928 to 2018. The mean performance is plus 2.5, the median 4.4. Now, up 72% of the time. If you have the market up 
That's all years. If the market is up at the end of Q3, uh-huh. the numbers go up even further. So statistically, it's a very robust period for equities. That's not a judgment by me. That's not charting. That's not fundamentals. That's just data. But it is what it is. Can I make one other point, though? Yeah. So Mike's trade is literally for a couple weeks until the end of October. You know, if you look at the last two highs in April and then in July, when did they have that? They came literally like the 25th or the 26th of the month here. And what do those months also have in common? Their earnings month, which is very similar to October. So you may have an opportunity to ride this thing into earnings. But, um, you know, this is a trade that I think you want to exit. And I think Mike's timing makes sense here, too. Mike, final word. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I would point out is that with all of these trades, you know, we we have this show once a week. We get to talk once every Friday about these things. When you take a look at how much the market's moving around, bear in mind that a lot of these things could be quite profitable one minute, literally, and 15 minutes later, you're looking at a very different picture. So my recommendation here is be prepared to roll. You put this thing on, this is a short-dated trade, and it may even require shorter-dated adjustments. If you see a move through 300, you shouldn't be sitting on this thing waiting for it to go, you know, up another 100 handles in the S&P. What you should be doing at that point is either taking your profits or rolling up and out. All right. Coming up next week, could give investors another case of chip whiplash as U.S.-China trade talks kick back off. But we'll tell you why one of the traders will be watching that very closely. Plus, it's Friday. You know what that means. Tweet us your burning questions at Options Action, and you might just get an answer on air. We're live from the Nasdaq overlooking Times Square. Options Action is back right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Now, just last week, Dan said there could be a chip wreck on the horizon. Obviously, you can see that uptrend from the December lows. It's come a long way. So here we are. We haven't made a new high. But I think what's most important is that the guidance that we got from Micron last night should have set um, you know, alarm bells off on a lot of investors who thought we were much closer to a bottom in this cycle. You could look to November expiration by the 117.106 put spread, paying $3 for that. Uh, well, the semis finished the week higher after the market's big rebound. But as trade talks loom next week... Dan, how are you managing this trade? Yeah, I mean, this, listen, this is going to be a very volatile group. This thing traded as low as 115 this week. I think it closed at 120 and a quarter um, right here. So the, the stock, you know, is up, I guess, 1.4% week over week. And this trade is down maybe 25% in premium terms. So really what you got to do when you manage a trade like this is you're risking what you're willing to lose. But you got to be careful that you don't let something like this get away from you. And you want to have a premium stop. You want to say, all right, I paid $3 for this $10 wide. I'm willing to risk... A dollar and a half for that because once I know it goes below that, the closer to expiration, the probability of success is very low. And that's how you manage a trade like this. That being said, this thing has been very volatile over the last year. When it has made new incremental highs, it's had some significant um, decline. So I think you want to kind of trade it and you want to stick with it, but keep a premium stop. I mean, it's the darling of sort of emotions. You know, the semis are going to break up, but then they don't. Oh, here we go again. And then they. So. Okay, maybe one day, but for now, the burden of proof remains on the bull. The bear just points to the fact that this thing is not breaking out. All right. Well, meantime, Mike said it might be curtains for Costco's big run higher. How do you like this? 36 times trailing 12-month earnings. That 
is a history of that valuation over the course of the last 10 years. So this is essentially, right now, a peak valuation over the course of the last decade. I was just looking at the October 4th weekly, November 280 put spread. Costco swung around on the back of its earnings report Thursday, but ended up 2% higher on the week. So as the first leg of this trade expires, Mike, what do you do? Yeah, well, it'll be, you know, for those of you who got into this trade, and some of you may have, and some of you may have actually exited, because as of this morning, that trade which we spent less than $4 for was $9. So it was more than a clean double this morning. But of course, now those shorter dated options have rolled off and the stock actually finished the day higher. So that other put is now left essentially what we paid for the trade to begin with. That's not a bad spot to be if we failed to act this morning. I think what you're going to do next week is actually roll into another calendar here. So you could actually sell the OCK regular 280 puts now against these and continue to finance premium. And this is a trade that will, in fact, pay off if the stock drifts from about 291.2, right about where it is trading now, down to that 280 level. And I would be surprised if next week we see the kind of follow-through in the market that uh, we had finished this one with. So I think we're in good, good position here if you're still in it. How do the charts look, Carter? Well, look, Costco's obviously been best in class. Mm-hmm. The issue is... Uh, is it full? Is it rich? Who's the incremental buyer? If you're owning it here and thinking it's going higher, I think it's all of those things. It's full, it's rich, it looks a bit stalled. Why stay? All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some of your tweets. Our first viewer asks, would you rather Apple calls or Apple puts into next week's trade talk, Stan? Yeah, really great question. I think you really have to pair that with what your view is of this earnings cycle that the company is going to report in a few weeks. And then you go with it because um, the at the money call or put is only 1% in next week expiration. All right. Time for the final call. Mike Coe in San Francisco. You know, I think there could be a reward if the market goes higher, but the risk is too great to buy the stock. Buy Spider calls instead. Carter Worth. Transports. They're dodgy. I'd be short IYT. <laughs> Dan. Uh, yeah, cat. I like put calendars into earnings over the next couple weeks. All right. That does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Meantime, Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.